Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another monthly podcast, Making History His Story. Before we get into the podcast, we have a brand new sponsor on the show. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Have you ever seen the commercials on TV for Pizza Hut's new pizza, the Detroit-style pizza? It's like rectangular, and it's thick, and it's got the sauce on top. Well, I did a little bit of digging into this. Found out that Pizza Hut actually modeled their pizza from a restaurant chain That's located in Michigan. That pizza shop is called Buddy's. So this led me to look up Buddy's. Going from there, I found out that there's Buddy's locations all over Michigan, but there's none in Kansas where I live. So so I'm not able to get the actual actual Detroit-style pizza like they do in Michigan. But then comes Gold Belly. Gold Belly actually has arrangements with major restaurants all over the country. And here's how I was able to get that Buddy's Detroit-style pizza. I went on to goldbelly.com, and I did a search for Buddy's Pizza, and right there it was. Now, it's a little expensive, but they have the original products that you can only get from specific restaurants. If you use the link in the show notes or the link on derekizzy.com, As a listener of our show, you will get $15 off your first order, provided that your order is at least $50 total. Now, the way this works, and I'll I'll give you my experience with Gold Belly when I ordered the pizza from Buddy's, the pizzas arrived in a box. They were iced so they could remain frozen through the entire duration of their trip. And then they have directions on them that tells you how to store them, how to thaw them out, and baking instructions. So I finally got a chance to have one last week, and it was amazing. Now, they are expensive, but use that link in the show notes or on DerekKissy.com. You'll get $15 off. But they have food from restaurants all over the world. You want a genuine Carnegie Deli cheesecake? You can get it from there. You want Chicago deep dish pizza from Geno's? You can order it there. They'll deliver it to your house. So check out Gold Belly using the link in the show notes or on DerekIzzy.com and you can enjoy yourself some original food from the restaurant that created it. Now you'll remember on last month's show, this clip. She decided to take her own fate in her hands as they placed her head in the noose. Before the hangman could take action, she revealed her last words. She screamed out, If you have a message you want to send to hell, give it to me, 
and I'll carry it. And with that, she lunged forward before the hangman could act, and she hung herself. It is said to this day that her ghost haunts Charleston. There are tours of the area where the crimes allegedly took place and where some of the historic locations are still around. However, the topic of our podcast was given the moniker of being America's first female serial killer. Her name was Lavinia Fisher, the first female serial killer. Or was she? Well, in fact, she was not. According to our research, we went in to look at the historical records of the time that Lavinia Fisher lived, and while she was convicted of highway robbery, there was never any real evidence that she actually murdered anyone. Yes, there were rumors about the bed that would fall through the floor, but when they did a search for bodies, they were unable to find any of the alleged victims that Lavinia was said to have killed. And if you use those historical records, they basically point to the fact that Lavinia never really killed anyone, that it was all based on her reputation. And you know how word of mouth can spread, and sometimes people spread inaccurate information. You can even turn on the news and watch inaccurate information these days. But people talk. Rumors spread, and as they spread from person to person, they got more and more out of hand and more and more exaggerated. So Lavinia Fisher was actually not America's first female serial killer. Born in 1857, or 1854, or, well, not quite sure when she was born because the records of that time weren't very accurate in this area. So we'll go with 1857. That seems to be the general date that the majority of historians cite as the birth year for the topic of today's podcast. The birth name of Honora Kelly, born to an interesting set of parents. When she was one year old, her mom died. Looks like her mom was the victim of tuberculosis. According to historical records, it looks like she was mostly an alcoholic. The father, also an alcoholic. They had immigrated from Ireland, having to raise the children on his own. The father in this family, Peter, he was very strange, and it was a lot of responsibility raising children after his wife had died. He had a reputation around town as being kind of eccentric, and this eccentricity pretty much turned into insanity. There were rumors that he had been abusive to his children. Now, I don't know if the rumors were true, but I do know this was one crazy man. He basically got rid of his children. He placed them in orphanages. But the topic of our podcast, she didn't go to an orphanage. She was given away as an indentured servant. At age six. Now the family that raised her. The family that she served. They had a daughter. Who would kind of be like a sister. To the topic of our podcast. Shortly after giving his daughter away. To this family as an indentured servant. Peter. 
tried to sew his eyes shut. If that gives you any clue to the mentality of this family. So being sent to this family, serving them throughout her childhood, the topic of our podcast would develop some strange mannerisms. Those mannerisms weren't solely for the topic of our podcast. One of the other daughters, Delia, well, they sent her to an institution. She ended up being placed as a servant in another town. Later on, she became a prostitute, became addicted to alcohol, and died. Growing up as an indentured servant for this family, the topic of our podcast did have some struggles. She had issues socializing and making friends with people. She did appear very sweet, and she knew how to make people smile. Shortly after graduating school, she became engaged. As the excitement grew about her wedding day, she ended up being left at the altar. This was a crushing blow for the topic of our podcast. Combine that with her childhood, growing up as an indentured servant, and seeing the daughter of the family that you serve being loved and adored while you are the outsider in the family. This anger would build and fuel an internal fire that the topic of our podcast would struggle to deal with. But she appeared to be dealing with it. She started nursing school. During nursing school, she learned how different drugs interact with the human body. She learned how to care for people. People trusted her. They felt confident that she would be able to help them. As a student nurse, her patients loved her. What they didn't know was that she was falsifying medical records in order to keep them in the hospital for a longer period of time so she could develop a bond with her patients. She seemed to favor the elderly patients. She favored spending time with the elderly patients and listening to them, but she didn't seem to believe that their life had any worth. They're becoming old and useless. Being as they were elderly and put in a nursing home or a hospital or an asylum, there was really little that most of the families could do for these patients. The topic of our podcast started testing how different drugs would react on these elderly patients. She would change the dosage to see what type of reaction their body would have. Then she started mixing the drugs. On other occasions, she would poison the patients to the point where they got very, very sick, and then she would cure them, making it look like she was a miracle nurse. Her reputation of making miracles happen started to follow her. She became a private nurse in the Boston area. As a private nurse, she was able to conduct more experiments. During her work, she received many recommendations. In 1889, she was actually recommended to work at the Massachusetts General Hospital, which was one of the most widely known prestigious hospitals in the country at the time. But after a year, they fired her. The grounds of her termination were that she had been prescribing opiates at a much greater rate than a nurse should. She rented a room from an elderly couple, and she started poisoning them. They slowly became sicker and sicker and eventually died. 
She noticed that as her patients died, she was able to take their belongings and get away. She was the nurse. She was the healer. Nobody would ever suspect that a nurse was actually intentionally poisoning her victims. Throughout the late 1800s and early 1900s, she continued this spree of poisoning patients, making them sick, and then nursing them back to health and being known as the hero. But as she got further and further down this road of poisoning patients and bringing them back to life, she started to develop feelings. Feelings that most people would find unnatural. She started climbing into bed, curling up next to these patients as they were getting sicker and sicker on the verge of death. And it became a sexual gratification for her. Watching this completely helpless patient going through convulsions as she held them in her arms. She started to thrive off this feeling. She became addicted to it. Eventually, the hospital started catching on. As she moved from family to family, hospital to hospital, leaving a trail of death behind her, authorities started catching up. Most of the people that she killed were in their 60s or 70s or even 80s, So it did take a while before authorities caught up with her, but sure enough, they did. An article in the Hoosier State Chronicles reported that she would fondle her victims as they died and attempt to see the inner workings of their souls through their eyes. When she was questioned about this, she stated that she got a sexual thrill from her patients being near death coming back to life and then dying again on October 12th, 1901. The topic of our podcast was finally arrested. She pled guilty to the murdering of 31 people, but others estimate that her total kill count could be as high as 100. It is reported when she was asked about how she felt about what she had done, that she said, no, I have absolutely no remorse. I have never felt sorry for what I have done. Even when I poisoned my dearest friends, as the Davises were, I did not feel any regret afterward. I have thought it all over, and I cannot detect the slightest bit of sorrow over what I have done. The topic of our podcast was found not guilty by reason of insanity, And she was sentenced to life in an asylum. Some of the more interesting pieces of her life. At one point, she claimed that her killing spree happened because of getting dumped. That had she actually gotten married, she would have lived the normal life of a housewife. Unfortunately, we'll never know if that was true. It was rumored that she had asked for assistance with patients before, telling her colleagues, Get some morphine, dearie, and we'll go out in the ward. You and I will have a lot of fun seeing them die. And on October 29th, 1938, she did die. Living a full life, dying at the age of 84. The first female serial killer in America, Jolly Jane Toppin. 
completely insane, showing no remorse for anything that she did, getting gratification of everything she did. She was America's first female serial killer. And now you know the rest of the story. Don't forget to check the show notes. Visit the sponsors of the Derek Izzy Show. Check out Gold Belly by clicking the link in the show notes or the link on DerekIzzy.com. And as always, good day. Good day.